0: Dave and Ivette are two of our missionaries. We support them through our offerings uh, in the cooperative program, and they are serving in the Philippines. There are four things that I have asked you to do in regards to missions. I'm asking you to pray for our missionaries. I'm asking you to give, and this month we are taking up our Christmas missions offering, and as you think about giving gifts during the Christmas season. I want to encourage you to give a gift to the Lord by giving to that missions offering. There's a third thing that you can do. You can go. I think that the Lord is stirring hearts within our church, and there will be people from our church that need to go and serve in different mission fields around the world in order to meet people at their point of spiritual need. And then fourthly, we also want to be a sending church. We want to be a church that calls out the called. We want to be a church that actively sends people into the mission field to serve God faithfully. If you have your Bibles, open them up with me to John chapter 1. John chapter 1, we're only going to look at four verses today as we set off in a quest for the true meaning of Christmas. I have two older sisters, which makes me the baby brother, and they are both married, so I have two brothers-in-law, and whenever you are the baby brother, one of your God-given responsibilities is to bring a little bit of mischief to the family, and so I try to fulfill my calling in that way. And so whenever we are putting together Christmas gifts to give my brothers-in-law, I always try to do something a little bit creative, uh, one of them he one year he was really into guns, and so uh, I got him bullets and beef jerky for Christmas, and he really appreciated it i mean nothing nothing says the Christmas spirit like bullets and beef jerky. you know uh, I have another brother in law that whenever he was growing up, his stepmother always made him eat jello, so he absolutely despises jello so that was like an open invitation to me, so I, I got him like a hundred little boxes of Jell-O goodness and put it all together, and whenever he opened it up, there, there it was. And this year, he's a big Star Wars junkie, and so my, my idea for this year, and I need some help, is if anybody has like an R2-D2 Jell-O mold... Uh, I want to just like fill it with like actual Jello, and whenever he opens it up, he's just got this quivering goodness there waiting for him. in R two D two, you know. So if you can help me with that, then I, I need help. Okay? It's fun to give gifts, and sometimes it's fun if you have the right person to give a gift that's just a little bit off. But it's not so fun to be just a little bit off on what Christmas means. I'll repeat this from last week's message. Christmas is a distinctly Christian holiday on which billions of believers celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The holiday ultimately belongs to those of us who are Christians, those of us who are believers in Christ. But you may remember That the message of Christ is not just for a select few, but the message of Christ is for all people. He commanded us to go and make disciples of all people groups, and so Jesus' message extends to all, and because of that, we invite everybody to celebrate Christmas with us. It's supposed to be a global holiday, and it has become such, but there is a problem whenever you have a lot of people celebrating the birth of Christ who do not know Christ, and that is that sometimes our understanding of the gift of Christmas gets just a little bit off. And because we live in this culture where there's so many different sound bites and so many different inputs constantly coming into our uh, scope of awareness, it's important that we center ourselves and focus on what is the true meaning of Christmas. And so I want us to look at what is called the prologue of John in John 1, 1 through 4, today. Now Matthew and Luke are where we normally go whenever we discuss the Christmas story. Matthew and Luke focus on the events of Jesus' birth. And so, in those two gospels, you're going to have the story of Mary and Joseph and you're going to have the stable and the wise men and you're going to have the shepherds and all of those things in Matthew and Luke. And by the way, we have a family photo op out out front for you today and we've actually got live sheep out there for you today. So, you can relive Matthew and Luke out on the church lawn today uh, after service. But John he focuses on the meaning of Jesus' birth. So look with me beginning in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through Him, and apart from Him, not one thing was created that has been created. Life was in Him, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness Did not overcome it. Now, here's what I want us to do with this passage. I want us to look at three things that people often believe about Christmas that are a bit off. And we will replace those three things with what Christmas really means. And the first thing is that a lot of people believe that Jesus came into existence at Bethlehem. Now, that's not just a bit off, that is a lot off. And verse 1 of the passage, if you look at it, says, "...in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God." So as we break that down, there is a parallel. You remember how the Bible begins with those words, "...in the beginning God created." Well, John intentionally builds a parallel here to tell us that in the beginning, at that beginning point, whenever the heavens and the earth were formed, that the Word was right there with God. If you go into Hebrews chapter 1, you find that the Son of God is spoken of there, and it says that it is His Word that sustains the universe and all that has been created. Sometimes whenever people read these first few verses of John, they begin to think that the Word is the Bible. And we hold a very high view of Scripture here at Murphy Road. Uh, no way are we trying to minimize Scripture, but the word in John chapter 1 is not referring to the Bible. The word in John chapter 1 is referring to Jesus Christ. It says he was in the beginning, long before Bethlehem, and the word was with God, but not only was the word with God, The Word was God. We hold to what is called the Trinity, that there is one God and that God exists in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. There are three persons, yet God is one. And the Son of God, which is called the Word here, not only was with God, He is God, and He was with God in the beginning. Now, what this means is that the birth of Jesus was no accident. It was not an afterthought. It's more than the remembrance of a historical event. The I Am of the universe, the Heavenly Father, the one who just is and has always been, made some choices. He chose to create us, and then He chose to redeem us and he chose to extend eternal life to all who believe if you go back to Genesis you'll remember that God created and whenever he finished creating he looked at his creation and he said this is good this testifies to my glory this testifies to my goodness and the creation that he made was good but then into that creation slithered sin And we know the story of Adam and Eve and how they fell into sin. And whenever Adam and Eve fell into sin, it created a domino effect within humanity so that all of us sin, all of us fall short of the glory of God and the creation in which we live is stained by sin. So there is a lot of darkness in our world. There is injustice in our world. There are things in our world which need to be redeemed. There are fractures which need to be healed. A lot of times people ask that question, why doesn't God do something about all this brokenness that's in the world? Well, he has done something about all the brokenness that's in this world. He sent his son, and he sent his son to redeem. He intervened. And the fracture of sin had broken the peace of creation, but God broke the chaos of sin with the peace of himself. He sent his son into the darkness so that light might shine into the darkness. And you and I and any who are willing to believe in Christ as Lord and Savior might be redeemed in Christ. And the scriptures teach us that whenever we believe in Christ, when we turn from our sins to God and we at admit our sin, we believe in Christ, we commit our lives to following Him, we are redeemed in Christ, and God extends to us eternal life. So this hundred year window in which you live your earthly life, that's not all you have. But you have an eternal window in which to live your life. And with that comes hope, and with that comes meaning. And so whenever we celebrate Christmas, we are not just celebrating an event in time, but we are joining ourselves to the eternal story. I would make a lousy atheist. Now, I know that that's shocking that the Baptist preacher says he would make a lousy atheist. But if you break down atheism, and sometimes it's called secularism, all that it has is the now. Live now. And it kind of leads to what would be called philosophically a hedonistic experience. You need to try to squeeze all the pleasure and meaning out of life right now. And so there becomes... To the atheists, this consumption uh, of I must absorb everything that I can absorb right now because that's ultimately all that I have. And if you try to inhibit the secularist consumption uh, of all that they have in any way, they will fight you and they will get angry at you. But philosophically, secularism ultimately fails miserably in practical life because it doesn't offer any real meaning or hope to life. You're born, you live, you try to squeeze out a few moments of joy, maybe impact those around you a little bit, and then you die, and that's it. No wonder those that are atheists are such grinches at Christmas. No wonder they want to take down all the nativities. Because life without God is depressing, it's selfish, it's greedy, it lacks eternal context, and it lacks hope in anything beyond the now. And if you take away a man's hope, you take away a man's soul, you take away a man's life. At Christmas, we celebrate the story of eternity. And Christmas connects our past to our present, and it connects our present to our future. And all of that is connected in this hope that we celebrate at Christmas. Jesus didn't come into existence at Bethlehem. Jesus existed before the foundations of the earth. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so the story of Christmas is the eternal story of what God has done for us, is doing for us, and will do for us. Now, there's a second misunderstanding that people sometimes have about Christmas, and that is that Christmas is about getting new things. And so we think of Christmas as a time where I'm going to get a lot of presents. Well, in verse 3 of John 1, the Bible says, "...all things were created through Him, and apart from Him not one thing was created." that has been created. I love the United States, but it's only in America that we sit down on Thanksgiving Thursday with our families, we bow our heads and we give thanks to God, and then we run over each other on Friday to get 50% off a PlayStation. I mean, that's only in America. And I think we've really gotten our holidays mixed up. If you go back a month whenever we celebrated Thanksgiving, for a lot of people, Thanksgiving is a time where they take inventory of all that they have and they ultimately say, look at all that I have. And Christmas is a time where they say, look at all that I get. And rather than humility and grace, for many, the holidays have come to mean pride, idolatry, and selfishness. Now, if you have a theological mind, you know that pride, idolatry, and selfishness, those are the roots of sin. It is from those, uh, th- those concepts that derives our rebellion against God, and we begin to turn to our own way and do our own thing. In the United States, we spend $800 billion on Christmas gifts. Now, to put that in context... That's 800 Jerry World's. That's a lot of football stadiums. Anybody want to take a guess on how much money we spend on Christmas cards? $24 billion on Christmas cards. And I know that's accurate because I got it off the Internet, so I know that that's that's true. We spend about a billion dollars on Christmas trees. I remember whenever I was a kid, I literally could not wait to open my presents. In fact, uh, my parents would put gifts out under the tree before Christmas, and so when they weren't looking, I would undo the tape and peek in the back and see what it was. And and eventually my mom caught on, and so I think she started wrapping my gifts with duct tape. It got so bad. And and I'm not saying, and don't hear me say this, I'm not saying that we shouldn't give gifts and enjoy gifts at Christmas. I, I think you should. But I do think we need to remember what all the gifts are meant to symbolize. Have you ever asked yourself that question? Why do we give gifts at Christmas? What is it meant to symbolize? What's the meaning behind the gifts that we give? Well, first of all, whenever you give gifts at Christmas, it symbolizes the greatest gift of all, which is Jesus. And so as you exchange those gifts with people that you love, it should remind you that God has given us his greatest gift in Jesus Christ. And so those gifts should actually be motivators that drive us to worship because as we're able to give and receive, it reminds us of what God has given and what we have received in Christ. Those gifts are also meant to symbolize that all that I have comes from God. The exchanging of gifts is actually to be a humble time where we recognize that, yes, we have been greatly blessed, so much so that most of us are able to give gifts and people will love us and give gifts back to us and that ultimately should lead us to humility where we realize that we are who we are because of the gracious, gracious gifts from God. Well, here's a third place where people get just a bit off when it comes to Christmas. Sometimes people think that we hang lights to make Christmas more beautiful. And certainly I think Christmas lights are absolutely beautiful. In fact... Uh, If you were a member of the Banks household, tonight you would be thrown into the family SUV to go look at Christmas lights because that's what we're going to do this evening. And I have a two-year-old son that every time he sees Christmas lights, he just explodes in the back seat with joy. I mean, it's one of those moments that just warms your heart. Uh, and, And we're hoping we don't have a baby tonight, so we can go look at Christmas lights tonight. It's not due for a couple more weeks, so we should be okay. But have you ever thought, what is the real meaning? Of Christmas lights. Well, look to verse 4. The scriptures say, Life was in him, and that life was the light of men. And that light shines in the darkness, yet the darkness did not overcome him. No, overcome it, I should say. Now let's break this down. John says, Life was in him. You see, Jesus came to earth. The Bethlehem story exists so that we might really live, so that we might really be alive spiritually. Jesus said that his message was not about condemnation. He did not come need to come to Bethlehem to condemn you because you and I, according to Scriptures, were already condemned in our sins. Instead, Jesus came to bring us life. He came to be a Savior. He came to be a light that would shine in the darkness so that we could be truly alive in Him. Without Him, Ephesians says, we are dead in our sins, in our trespasses against God, we are dead, we are spiritually, the light is off, but then Christ came and Christ extends to us salvation and because of that, we can find life in Him and whenever you become a believer, all things have passed away and all things become new, you are alive in Christ Christ. You remember the story of Nick at night in John chapter 3 when Nicodemus came to Jesus by night and began asking him about who he was. And Jesus said that, you needed, that Nicodemus needed to be born again, that he was in need of new life. Well, why is that? It's because Nicodemus was spiritually dead in his sins, but the message of Jesus is a message of life because life is in him. Well, the second thing that the passage taught us, was that that life was the light of men. Now, here's a question for you. Do you really feel like your life has any lasting impact? Or do you feel kind of like your life will shine for a bit and then disappear? Does your life have any lasting light? A Christless Christmas is a lightless Christmas. If you take Christ out of the world, if you take Christ out of your life, life is ultimately pretty dreary. You're born. You grow up. Some of us are raised in good, loving families. Others of us have rough childhoods, but eventually, if you continue living, you become an adult. And then you do some very predictable things. At some point, you fall in love and you get married. You eventually uh, have to put down the Xbox and you have to go to work and get a job. And then before you know it, uh, God blesses you with children and you raise a family. And then as you're raising that family, the days begin to just fly by and you can't hardly keep up with the days. And then before you know it, you've grown older. And whenever you wake up each morning, your back hurts. And then you look around and before you know it, your your children are having children. And then you retire and then your body falls apart, and then you die. There's not much lasting light in that. I'm here to encourage you today. I just want you to know that you can live your best life now. But wait, it gets even darker. Along this journey of life, you may accomplish a few things. Maybe you become a titan within the business world. Maybe you become a a great intellect, and you begin to accomplish something, and maybe people even remember your accomplishments in a book, but eventually whenever you die, the world will continue to move on with or without you, and the life story that you lived will likely be rewritten if it's put down in books, and before three generations passed, they probably won't even know your name. Some of you are genealogy buffs, and if I ask you who are your great-great-great-great-grandfather, you, you, know, you could name those and tell me the family story. But how, most of us are not. How many of you could name your great-great-great-great-grandfather? Okay. A few, just like two or three is what I saw. For most of us, within three generations of our passing, they won't even know our names. Again, I'm here to encourage you today. But when you celebrate Christ at Christmas the light of Christmas really comes on. And you begin to realize that your life is connected to something that lasts forever. The story of Christ, that he was born, that he lived a sinless life, that he died as a sacrifice for your sins and mine, that he rose again, that he ascended, and that he is coming again, that he intervened so that we might be redeemed. He did all that... For you and for me, that we might have life that extends beyond the hundred-year window, that we might have life in Christ that ultimately brings glory to the Heavenly Father. God didn't create you to sit on the couch, eat, and watch parades and football. The message of Christ is about living. And so I want to encourage you this Christmas, live your life. Give cheerfully. And as you give remember that it is God who is the source of all things receive humbly realizing that when someone extends a gift to you that there is a symbol of love and appreciation that goes with it use the hands that God has given you to reach out to the lost and the lonely and use the mind that God has blessed you with to swim the depths of his love Use the feet that He has given you to carry the gospel to the ends of the earth with missionary partners like we saw earlier in the service. Don't just hang the lights of Christmas. Be the light of Christmas. Because in Him is life, and that life is the light of men. And then the passage concludes with this thought. The light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. There's a lot of darkness in the world today. If you read the news, it's full of darkness. Radical Islamic terrorism, the Islamic State, greed, pride, violence, Darth Vader. There's violence everywhere in the world today. Our world is a very dark place, but the light of Christ shines with such brilliance that darkness cannot overcome it. And so if you're a believer in Christ, I, I want to encourage you to shine the light brightly into the darkness. There is a temptation for those of us who are Christians to kind of retreat into the shadows of society. Let's don't draw attention to ourselves. But I want to encourage you to shine Christ brightly into the world around you there will be some that don't like it there will be some that try to bully you into turning it off and certainly there is a measure of respect that needs to be extended to your employer and to those under whose authority you work but whenever those opportunities come for you to shine the light of christmas brightly do so and keep shining Don't turn the light of Christmas off because the one thing brilliant enough to penetrate the darkness is the light of Christ. And it's in Him that there's life. In Him, there is light. In Him, there is meaning. And so, whenever you sit down with your family this week, it's more than just a day. It's more than just a moment. Whenever you sit down with your family this week and celebrate Christmas, you are celebrating something that connects the past to today and connects today to tomorrow. You are celebrating what life is all about. You're celebrating spiritual life, being alive in Christ. You're celebrating a light that shines into the darkness of this world and cannot be overcome by sin. You're celebrating eternity with God. And even as your heart misses those people that have already gone on to be with the Heavenly Father, as you celebrate Christmas, you are reminded that in Christ we have a hope that extends beyond the grave. And we have a hope that those that have gone before us we will one day see again in heaven. And whenever we celebrate Christmas, we celebrate the greatest gift that has ever been given to humankind, the gift of Jesus Christ. So celebrate boldly. Celebrate cheerfully, let Christmas joy flow through your home, and celebrate Christmas with meaning, because Christmas means something. Would you be so kind as to stand with me, please, as we bow our heads and we come to a time of commitment? It might be that during this Christmas season, God has been working on your heart, and you're at a point in your life where you need to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to invite you right now to just call out to God, admit to Him that you are a sinner, place your faith in Jesus Christ, trust in Him as Lord and Savior, and ask God to give you strength that from this day forward, you will live for Christ as a follower of Him. If this morning God is leading you to that point of placing faith in Christ, I would like to know about it. I'll be here at the front during this next hymn. You can come share with me that that's where you are. I'll be here after the service as well. I would love to talk with you, encourage you, be a pastor to you. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this dear church. I pray for each and every person that's here. I pray for the families that are represented I pray, Lord, that within our families there will be love. Lord, I know that at Christmas sometimes we worry about conflict. I pray, Father, that our homes will not be marked with anger, but may our homes be marked with joy. pray, Father, that you will give us wisdom to know what to say and what not to say. I pray, Father, that you will continually remind us of the deeper spiritual meanings that are behind this season that we call Christmas. Help us, Lord, not to get caught up in superficialities, but help us, Lord, to swim the depths of your love, to truly live in your grace. Lord, I pray that we might be different, and I pray that the people that know us well will be able to see a godliness within us. Help us, Lord, to be centered on you, and help us, Lord, to lift our eyes to you, knowing that you are good, knowing that you are the giver of all things. And may we express our gratitude to you as our Heavenly Father. Thank you, Lord, for this wonderful gift of Christmas and what it means to us. In Jesus' name, amen.